Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are going through Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs one minute at a time. I'm Kestra Dorowski. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And we are again joined by Brad. Welcome back. Hey guys, how you doing? We're good. We are having a great time having you on this week. Uh, you know, this is so much fun. Uh, it's so much different than doing Minute of Darkness. Uh, and we love doing Minute of Darkness, me and my partner Ryan. Uh, we have a great time doing that. Uh, but it's just fun to talk about uh, such a great old movie. And it's a movie that it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it, when people talk about Army of Darkness, and it's a great movie, but that's a movie that people get into when they're like, Ah, fourteen, fifteen to twenty something, and it you know has a special place because of that. But the, you know, Snow White is a movie. You know, we we we've introduced it to my kids. Uh, I, I said before we have three kids. We have Chase, who's seven, Logan, and London, my twins that are five, and uh, they're just at this great point to just love that movie because the storytelling is so straightforward and really engaging and you have the silly characters but the pretty dresses for my daughter and um my son likes you know the 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 sort of the more uh you know swashbuckling aspects of it so everyone has such a great time with it and uh it's great to have those memories and then watch it again minute by minute and see all the little cool stuff that they interweave in here some of which is gonna we're gonna have this moment with uh some of the queen's evilness that we really get to see on display shortly yes we we love getting more of the queen's <laughs> evilness. It is exquisite. Oh, so exquisite, yeah. Um, but what it, did you already establish? What the no. okay? Let's hear what <laughs> where, let's hear where this minute begins and ends, Kestra. This minute, minute sixty three, starts with Sneezy uh, falling back asleep onto Dopey's butt, and ends with the hag saying, "Look!" When the shot as the shot moves from the apple that has now been poisoned. To the rook, or her pet raven, as my book says. The, the, pet, the, the a pet, pet raven. Okay. But we also call it a rook. Yes. All right. So, goes to sleepy after sneezy. And that stupid fly. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, if I were sleepy, I would be furious at this bug. Yeah. Because it has come to bother him at least four times now. And if it does this every day, which, I mean, flies don't live that long, but <laughs> cartoon flies. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, he's really, this, the fly's really sleeping his life away, because uh, he, he's going to be dead by dawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it followed it, it followed Sleepy all the way from the mining, from the mine to the house. I guess so. Like, unless it's a different fly, but I don't think it is. But, um, yeah, and then it lands on his nose, he flicks it off, and then it lands back on his nose and makes a very weird snoring, wheezing sound. Yeah, the, the, the bug sound. I mean, it's it's just a fly that's sleeping. It's got a little bit of a buzz to it. Yeah. A, a, a little wing buzz. Yeah. Um. Now, I I was thinking about, you know, the the gags with sleeping and everything. I thought it would have been kind of funny if we got to Sleepy and his eyes were just bloodshot and he was kind of wide awake. He's like, I can't fall asleep right now. <laughs> if that was his his one characteristic, he's always sleepy, except when it's bedtime. <laughs> yes. That would have been great. Just everyone else sleeping. Him just like staring. He's like, ah, oh, come on. 
When, when will everyone else wake up? Like, so I can if that has happened, maybe that's why he's so sleepy. Because he can't fall asleep at night. He can't stand all the snoring? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but it, as it zooms out from sleepy into onto the the uh, house the from the cottage from the forest that I, I I just listen to the music and it it just it's so relaxing and it, it's almost like a lullaby without words and it, it definitely is something that would lull me to sleep if I listen to it every night yeah I'd say they did a good job you know creating this sort of nighttime pastoral melody to go with this this sequence especially coming out of the cottage and showing that the pastoral setting yes um again i think it's and it has a the, good combination the water effect like it did in um yeah it was um the last time i think we saw it was when snow white was crossing. traveling with the animals yeah. to the to the cottage this effect they do on the on the river or the or the stream uh, where it's reflective and almost metallic looking. Because they, they use a tin of some kind, or they use some kind of metal, metallic, like, tin kind of thing to make it seem like that, to and the reflection right. and stuff. So. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite things that I've seen. I don't know how they do it exactly, and even though you, you know, you say they've got a tin, but, you know, what kind of angle they put it on so right. that it's reflecting the, um, the, the artwork... And it's in the layers somehow. Mm-hmm. I, it's just really impressive. It's one of my favorite things. And I, I, I can't get over how great that is to see that reflection um, done not by hand, but, you know, with some other mechanism. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we, I think we're just going to jump ahead <laughs> and move on to the queen. Yeah. As she is, she's got a smoking brew going. Yes. And she says, "Dip the apple in the brew. Let the seep. Let the sleeping death seep through." Right. She a lot of rhyming, a lot of couplets uh, yes. by the queen. This sequence, which is odd, because usually every other time we get a sequence of couplets, it leads into a song, but not with the. Or it's just Snow White speaking. But most of the time, she's doing that leading into a song. That's true. And now we have the queen doing it, and no songs. No. Which makes me wonder, maybe they had planned a song for her? I mean, they wrote several songs, but um, the only two deleted songs that they, like, came pretty far into um, were the music in uh, in Your Soup, and then there was another one, and I can't remember what that song was, but... Um, I think it's always dangerous to give the bad guy a song because they could, if it's too catchy or if it's too good, it ends up making them likable. Um, what, like yeah. Poor unfortunate souls. I, that's exactly the one <laughs> I was thinking of because that's probably the, like the greatest villain song. Um, oh, well, and I, that I, comes I, in, in Little Mermaid, which is full of like it's got like four big showstoppers, and that's one of them. It's a great yeah, and that's a great song. And there's like two examples that come off the top of my head. One was. I know in the original idea behind Frozen, Elsa was going to be the bad guy, and then they recorded Let It Go, and that song was so good and made her so relatable, and I think there was already some musings about switching things around, but you couldn't have 
the bad guy be the performer in the be the voice in the movie with the best voice with the best song that was the catchy song and you, you could sort of see almost at that point like you could see the plot going a different direction than it than they thought and the, yeah the other is uh my kids right now they're in their trolls phase where if we're not at home watching the movie trolls we're in the car driving somewhere playing the trolls soundtrack uh which Makes life a little bit more challenging than it needs to be, but as long as my kids are happy. <laughs> um, but they, um, they talked about, in one of the deleted scenes, there was a song that the evil cook was going to sing, and they said the problem was, it was such a fun, sort of campy, Broadway-esque song, it's like, we, we can't have her sing this, everyone's going to like the evil cook afterwards. So it, it's, it's dangerous to have the villain have a decent song. If it's not a good song, then what's the point of having it in the movie? Mm-hmm. But if it's too good, then you've undermined every other character. Because now <laughs> but, it's about the villain. But with Little Mermaid, with Poor Unfortunate Souls, there are so many other showstoppers yeah. that it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Sebastian the Crab gets two big ones. Two huge numbers. And and then it's like, okay, well, the villain can have one big song. <laughs> and I think, I think there's a balance that they need to strike where you can give villains some songs, but you can't give them too much. Or make it too good, or else nobody's going to remember the good stuff from the movie, and all of a sudden you've you've made a film that's about the bad guy. Right, and I think Poor Unfortunate Souls works a little better because it was early in the movie, and plus it it was a song about convincing Ariel to sign her soul away, basically, so that you need to have a showstopper and a cool song, so it makes sense. It's like, of course, I would sign that contract, too. You sing a song that good to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then there's Be Prepared and Hellfire. Um, yeah, and so there are there are some classics, but none of them. I think Disney's done a good job where where none of them really take their standard film and say now everyone's going to sing this villain song. Um, and I think you're you're right with Frozen that they knew everyone was going to be singing that particular song, and they said we might have to adjust a few things. Mm-hmm. I've seen Poor Unfortunate Souls, though, and I hate Ursula, because she's so scary at the very end. But you're also musically inclined, <laughs> sweetheart. You sing all the songs. This is true. <laughs> Do you guys have a video uh, somewhere of you singing uh, the, 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 the duet from Frozen? Is that on YouTube Andrew's somewhere? Not no. a singer. I, I, I don't sing at all, so... <laughs> we would not go that way. And he doesn't like Frozen that much. It's so. not my favorite... It's it's strongly not my favorite. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I do suspect that they had at some point planned a, a song for the Queen at this point, which is why there was so much rhyming. Maybe. Um, to lead in. It's about the right amount of couplets to lead in to uh, a small musical number. Yeah. And then I'm I guessing they just, they just cut it. You know, either that or it, it, it still works if you do, if you're going the opposite way where, okay, let's have a couple couplets because everyone's sort of trained now to expect the song and then you don't have it. They're, you're almost going to make everyone disappointed subconsciously and help, you know, make the evil character even more evil because they're almost denying you something you're expecting. And that's something that, like, people would be unexpected with nowadays, but back then, Talkies were still new concept, and uh, and so is a featured length animated uh, film. Yeah, 
I also wonder if if part of doing the rhyming was just the fairy tale nature, um, especially with the queen and dipping she... into the magical element of the fairy tale stuff um, yeah, in this she's... story more than anyone else. It might just be leaning on that. It's like, well, this is fairy tale magic. Let's make it a little bit rhymy and a little bit catchy that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I mean, it's ridiculous because she's talking to no one throughout this scene, and I I I don't even think about it. I mean, I guess she's talking to the raven. Maybe, but but she's just she's just monologuing to the audience this whole time in a way that nobody else really ever does in the in the film. Snow White talks to the animals, like and and it's very directed. Like she is directing the animals through song to do the cleaning. I thought um, you were going to say or asking them for help. So it's it's not similar to what the queen does at all. And even um, I mean, the queen typically would have been talking to the mirror. Yeah. And in this sequence, we don't have that. So maybe she's just used to talking out loud, even when there aren't people around. She's used to, like, the mirror um, hearing her, or... I don't know. Yes, but uh, I thought you were going to say, uh, when that no one when you were saying no one else uh, does it in the film, I thought you were going to say no one else does that in real life. And I'm like, I talk to myself sometimes. Oh, Especially people, like, when you're like cooking and reading off yeah, the recipe. People, people do it, um... Yeah, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about as a recipe. So I'd say it's very common for people to read recipes out loud as they are processing the information and, and measuring things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it just seems like such a focused effort. It's not just that she's talking to herself. She's looking at the audience. And it's almost, and I think it happens a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, it's very direct. It's almost accusatory the way she, and taunting the way she looks at the, looks out. Yeah, so I think they, I mean, they managed to kind of disguise it all and give enough reasons for this to be happening. But at the same time, like, you can feel a, a child sitting in the audience seeing this and feeling scared because the queen is coming for for them. You know, that queen's coming for me. Right. Yeah, and they make you know a, a very specific effort. It's like she doesn't look like the queen. She looks like the old hag. Yes, it's this disturbing as a cartoon character can look the way that she looks, and you know, the scene I don't think would work nearly as well if she was, you know, the queen as opposed to like really an old lady monster. Yeah, and I think she never really looks at the screen um, and and you know monologues to the audience until she's the hag. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's very much the witch, the hag, um, a, a trait of that character more than the queen. The queen seems to be talking to the raven um, when she's talking out loud. Yes. Um, so I, I, it's interesting that it you know seems to work, and I don't really think about it that much. Um, but it, even though there are moments where she's like definitely like speaking to the audience, um, she's addressing children in the audience and saying like this is what's going to happen don't you get it yeah um so i have some notes about apples okay uh based on what i can see i would say that the apple she dipped into the the brew was a honey crisp apple as a little bit of red and a little bit of yellow um i'm going to show kestra a picture does that seem to yeah. track with the uh mm-hmm. the apple that she dropped in yes Honeycrisp apples are delicious. They're also kind of expensive, but I really like them. And one of my dreams is to one day make so much money 
podcasting that I don't even think about it and I just buy Honeycrisp apples. <laughs> you have a lot of dreams with you becoming a famous podcaster. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be the, the, the Holy Trinity, you, Adam Carolla, and Mark Marin. <laughs> um, but when she pulls it, when she pulls the apple out after it uh, fades the, the green slime and the skull face away uh, and, and switches to the, the red, the deep, deep, deep red apple, I would say based on its shape that she has also transformed that apple into a cameo apple. And I'm going to show Kestra a picture of a cameo apple. This is all coming from the U.S. Apple Association, by the way. Uh, these, There's an association for apples? Yes, these, apple these pictures are courtesy yeah, of, the, of the U.S. <laughs> apple Association. It's got like 26 of the most common uh, apples that are cultivated in the U.S. And uh, But the shape, I think, if not the color necessarily, but the shape is extremely consistent, I'd say, with the cameo apple. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I don't think any of the other apples that I'm looking through on this website, you know, jazz apples and macan apples and ambrosia apples and Paula Red and and Crips Pink and all that. I would say the cameo apple is the one that's consistent with the shape of the apple that they uh, painted. And they painted it as a background for that scene. You can tell the, the texture is different. It, you can see the the watercolor texture of that apple. But I'd say by shape, if not by color, uh, a cameo apple discovered as a chance seedling in Washington State Red Delicious Orchard about 30 years ago. Which means it can't be a cameo apple because we established <laughs> this is in like the 1500s. But uh, that's that's what my apple research yielded me. I'm I'm guessing she started with a Honeycrisp and ended with a cameo. Um, oh, I've, I should have done a little more research. Are apples a New World fruit? I don't... Would they have had apples in 1500s Germany? Yeah, I believe so. I think that was something we. I think that was something that was brought over. Yeah, like, you know, it's so. It's not an I apple mean, seed thing. It, it makes me believe that this was not something that was indigenous to the entire country until you know it was brought over and spread around. Yeah, I'm saying um, this with absolutely no expertise on the matter. I just remember <laughs> Johnny Appleseed stuff. The guy with the uh, pan on his head. Uh, yeah. Of, of course, the classic. Um, but I will note that the apple is part of... The apple tree is part of the rose family. Mm. Apples are closely related to roses. Huh. Okay. So, for, for uh, my next anniversary, I should just give my wife 12 apples, and I say it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the tree originated in Central Asia, so... They could very well have had it in uh, in 1500s Germany. We now know more. I'm glad that. I looked that one up because that resolved that concern for me. But uh, <laughs> what? All right, I've I've already talked a bit about my preferred apple choices. Do you guys eat apples? What What do you like for do your I apples? Do I eat apples? You I, know I, I, I eat apples. I know you eat apples, but what are your favorite apples, Kestra? Um, and, and also you, Brad, if, if you have any uh, good apple uh, preferences, it, I mean, how would how would the queen have to tempt you? Because I've got a, like, I'm not enticed by a deep red apple, personally. I, I don't care for, like, the deep red. I like a, a lighter pink um, or kind of a, a mixed color. I, I, I like the, the honey crisp. Honey crisp are really yummy. 
the you know yeah. so my, that's a little yellow and red stripe kind of thing. My wife likes a nice red apple. Uh, she'll go. We have a great uh, Amish market right down the street from us. She'll get uh, like a, a a basket of uh, Macintosh red apples. They're really good. Uh, I'll I like to go with something a little more crisp, and I'll even eat a yellow apple every now and then. But uh, a good. As long as you sort of get them fresh and they're still like firm, uh, there's nothing worse than a, a Macintosh apple that's just a little on the other side of being ripe and it just doesn't have that same firmness. Yeah, I find a uh, uh, Golden Delicious to go overripe a little too fast. Like there's a good chance you're going to buy a few for a week and, and several of them are going to be a little too soft. But they they are delicious. Oh, you, you just got to get them right. Or yeah, when you get it just right. Yes. Yeah. A, a golden delicious is, is quite tasty. Um, I'd say green apples are basically best for, for pie. Yeah. Um, and, and not the best for munching. Have you guys ever gone apple picking? Yes. I have not. I, I, I when I was growing up, we had neighbors who had an apple tree, and we would like grab an apple. But I've never been to like an orchard and done the proper like apple picking fall harvest experience. I grew up in Virginia, and each fall, we um, my grandparents who lived about thirty minutes away, and my family, we would um, all go apple picking together. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, probably in a month or so it'll be apple picking time. I I live in in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania, uh, about two hours to the uh, west of Philadelphia, and we have an orchard very close to us, and once a year we go out and take the kids and try very hard to explain to children what a rotten apple is because they'll just keep grabbing them off the ground, and there's like four worms hanging out of it. It's like, no, that's not... Thank you, son, and tell him to go on his way and just throw it as far as we can and try to get the <laughs> remnants off our hand because it is, man, a, a gross apple is just really gross. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it sounds like fun, but then also I'm like, oh, but there's going to be like worms all around and stuff. And what if you see one that like looks so good and then you grab it and then half of it's done? Just, just eaten out and gross. Ah, yeah, it, it, like what? What a disappointment! Well, you know, the key is just trying to get it off the tree, and you uh, remove that. But kids are, you know, the kids can't quite reach the tree sometimes, and they're just just scrambling on the floor. It's like, no, that's not how. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see if there's uh, any any good apple picking uh, in our area. We're in, we're in Utah, so I don't know. There's a lot of orchards around, but I think they tend to be cherry trees. Hmm. Hmm. Um, around us but i'll i'll have to look up and see if there's any yeah. good apple picking we'll, to be we'll done. have to go sometime i mean my sister who's not a big apple or fruit, fruit or, fan, vegetable or vegetable person person more uh, of a rice and chicken girl yes uh she, she we, we when we would go apple picking she would enjoy it like that's like one of the only fruit she'll actually touch huh <laughs> but, all right yeah it's i mean but you got to be careful because it might be dipped in poison by the evil queen Oh, yeah, one out of five, you just assume. <laughs> now, okay, so she, like, she poisoned one apple, and then she... That's, she, ne- that's she, next all right, minute. She, she, all right, the, the rest of the apples are, are next minute, so I guess I'll save that for, for tomorrow. Uh, but I've got all my, my apple-picking notes uh, taken care of today. What about you guys? I'm good. I, I think you got it. All right, then we'll we'll close it out. Uh, thank you, Brad, again for, for being our guest. Uh, we, we enjoy it, and we're glad that we'll have you for the rest of the week. But if people want to hear 
more of you and less of us. Where do they go? Well, uh, you know, you can always go to uh, CosmicGeppetto.com. Uh, it's the home of both the Cosmic Geppetto podcast and also the uh, Minute of Darkness po- podcast where we talk about uh, Minute by Minute, the uh, 1992 film Army of Darkness. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Cosmic Geppetto is a really fun podcast. We talk a lot of cool pop culture stuff, uh, anything. We've had some great authors. We had... Uh, the wonderful Carolyn Parkhurst, who uh, wrote the books Dogs of Babel. Uh, we've had uh, musicians, we've had actors, um, and we've had great podcasters. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We try to do some, we try also try to be a little bit socially conscious. Uh, one of the things we do is we're big supporters of uh, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, uh, cff.org. And what we've done a couple times is uh, we always encourage people to uh, find us, subscribe to us, and uh, rate us and like us on iTunes. And uh, one of the things we'd like to do with you guys, if it's all right, is uh, I, I'm looking at your iTunes page. You guys have some great ratings and reviews. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing, what's minute 61 to 65? Yeah, that's right. Um, one thing I'd like to do, I think you guys need more ratings and reviews. Uh, so what we're going to do is, uh, for everyone who does a rating review for uh, for you guys, by minute 70, uh, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast and uh, our folks over here, we're going to donate $1 to the uh, CFF.org for every review that you guys get. Uh, it doesn't cost anybody anything. It gets uh, the, these guys uh, some more ratings and reviews. When you have that, it helps us get more visibility on iTunes, and it goes to a great organization. Well, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's really great. Yeah. So get onto <laughs> iTunes. And find the the uh, podcast page. I mean, if you're listening to this on iTunes, it's that easy. You just click through and, and find what you need and, and leave a little review. And it's going to go to a good cause as well as, you know, supporting all of us. So thank you. Thank you. For, for sharing all of that. Um, while it's on my mind, I, I try to remember to do it once a week. But, you know, all of these movies by minutes, they're all thanks to Star Wars Minutes. So if you're not listening to that, go check it out. Uh Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson started it all a couple years back with Star Wars, and there's a lot of movies coming out of it since then. So, uh, Especially go, this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This year has been, uh, it's been doing gangbusters on on getting new movies by minutes coming out. And so go go check them out. They deserve, you know, at least a listen, uh, definitely, for, for what they've done for all of us. And as as for us, go to go to Facebook and find the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society. You know, we're gonna when these uh, episodes come out, we will try to remember to post links to iTunes uh, for for all of that, so it makes it even easier uh, to get those reviews and uh, ratings in. And then uh, share us with your friends and your family. This is the the time to do it. These are the minutes, I guess. And uh, And then come back for more of Snow White and Seven Dwarfs tomorrow. Until then, just whistle while you work.